This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it's Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Ridiculous offers on the NBA right now. Just ridiculous. Use the code Ross. Bet on my Sixers. Trust me. I am Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Five teams, seven years. Got a bunch of different podcasts. I'm loving them. Mondays, we always have an excellent guest on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, which is always 30 minutes of on-demand audio, college draft podcast. I'm loving this series that Emery and I have been going through where we actually go over every draft choice. We've already done the AFC. So whether it's on your podcast app or youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL Go ahead and hear Emery's breakdown of the AFC East, AFC South, AFC North, and last week, the AFC West. You can check him out on Twitter at FBallGamePlan, FootballGamePlan on YouTube, FootballGamePlan.com slash 2021 Draft Guide. If you still want to be able to read all of Emery's thoughts on the undrafted free agents, I mean, any guy that's on a 90-man roster right now, Emery has an eval of the guy that you can check out. You can check me out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL or us at Ross Tucker pod. You know, it's funny, Emery. I was checking out YouTube. These videos, these shows are doing well because I think people when they're searching on YouTube or like, I think people want to see a breakdown of all the guys their team drafted or all the guys that were drafted in their team's division. Yeah, and it makes sense to do these because, like you talked about, you you speak of the draft and talk about the draft from January to the draft, and then right after it's a day of recaps and then everybody is done with the draft. Like, nah, man, we spent all that time talking about these prospects, trying to guess where they're going to go. Let's talk about how they fit, what they were able to, what, what the team was able to bring in. And how it all makes sense. And this is the fun part because now you get to sell the optimism to these teams, to these fans that, hey, yeah, you guys did a really good job in bringing these players and here's what they can do. Let's get into the NFC East, Emery. Uh, Obviously, one of the marquee divisions in the NFL, even though last year none of them were very good. I don't know how good they'll be this year. We typically do it in alphabetical order. Let's start with the Dallas Cowboys. You know, they're interesting because I think it's pretty obvious, Emery, they wanted either Patrick Sertain or J.C. Horn. Both those guys go off the board, so the Cowboys kind of recalibrate and say, all right, let's move down a couple picks with Philly and still be able to get a guy that we think can really impact 
uh, our defense in Micah Parsons from Penn State. Love the pick because it fits the MO of what they want at that position. And what you need at that position nowadays, you're talking about uh, athleticism, someone that could you know read and react, someone that can be a terrific blitzer. All of those things are, are Michael Parsons, are Micah Parsons. Uh, when you look at him in conjunction with uh, Jalen Smith, they let it be known that they're not trying to move Leighton Vander Esch. So to me, that trio of linebackers, I know they won't trot out all three at the same time. Maybe in some cases they will, but that's a, a guy that can definitely help your defense out. They needed help defensively at all three levels, and they got one in Micah Parsons. Well, and let me just say this. Sean Lee retired, and Jalen Smith did not play particularly well last year. I don't know if it's injury or what. And Van Der Esch, uh, you know, he feels like he's almost a ticking time bomb with his neck. I remember being at the draft. I think it might have been the one in Nashville uh, asking Van Der Esch about his neck. You know, because the reports had come out that week, and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's fine. It's not fine. I mean, he's had issues with it. So I like that they can use Micah in different ways, Emery. But also, if Van Der Esch or Jalen Smith go down, then you need Micah. You know, so I, I like that pick. Very curious to get your thoughts on Kelvin Joseph, their second-round corner, they're, the opinions on this guy, Emery, are all over the board. Yeah, I love what they did in the secondary. We'll dive into that a little bit more because you clearly see what the focus was. Length, athleticism, press skills, ball skills. That was a, that was a goal in the draft, and Joseph can do all of those things. He's the most fluid of the corners and defensive backs they were able to bring in, and this was someone that still has upside. He was at LSU. Now he then he transferred over to Kentucky. I love that he's brash. They saw that with uh, J.C. Horn, which is a, one of the reasons why they love him. He was a you know a trash talker, a guy that was able to back it up on the field. They love that he had the length. They saw that with Patrick Sertan. They, they saw someone that could run with anybody. They saw that with both Sertan and Horn. So they saw a lot of the same things in Joseph. That's why they took him in the second round. They said, okay, we can go now and get Parsons in the first. We missed out on the two top corners that we wanted. Uh, that had the traits that we wanted. Now we're going to go get someone that has those traits, but we don't have to really reach for him and we get him in round two. So I thought that was a savvy move by Dallas. I like Joseph. I think he has the upside that you want to gamble on in the secondary. What would you think of their round three picks? Uh, Diggy Zua, the D-tackle from UCLA, Chauncey Golston, the DN from Iowa, and then Nashawn Wright, the corner from Oregon State, who's a more athletic Richard Sherman, if you didn't hear, Emery. <laughs> yeah, and he's 6'4". So, and that's, a, when you watch film on him, he's a legit 6'4". And he has strong press skills. The press skills are phenomenal. That was his best trait when I scouted him or, or graded him on, on film or evaluated him. Uh, Golston and Odigazua, to me, are more depth pieces. I love the activity with, with his hands in, uh, in uh, Golston. I think that's where his strongest trait lies. Odigazua has good bursts off the football and is got good core strength. So you, you talk about someone that's difficult to move along with his quickness, but I see those two being more depth guys. And Nashawn Wright, like we talked about, length, athleticism, you know, press skills, and attitude, that was a good pick for them as well. 
Round four, two interesting picks. Jabril Cox, the linebacker from LSU, and Josh Ball, the offensive tackle from Marshall. Now, let's look at Cox. Cox was someone that kind of adds credence to your point about Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch. Now you have someone that can cover. So you get someone that, that's a athletic, you know, super bomb in Micah Parsons, and now you get someone that has the coverage savvy, the coverage chops in Jabril Cox. So you're good now at the second level, and you have your contingency plans in place if Leighton Vander Esch can't return or if, you know, Jalen Smith continues to be a little bit inconsistent. So you got good linebackers now. And you got good depth there. I thought that was a fantastic pick. Josh Ball was one of my favorite picks. This dude on film at Marshall was dominant. And I wasn't shocked that he got picked in a draft. A lot of people wasn't talking about him during the draft process. But this dude's tape was outstanding. I watched a lot of Marshall football this year. You know, them being on CBS a lot, uh, you know, taking advantage of playing early. They played every week, it seems like. And when you watch him, you watch Tavante Beckett, the linebacker. You watch the running back who's now on this team as well. And Brendan Knox, you talk about uh, their quarterback who's going to be tremendous. Marshall has some dudes. And I think when you think when you look at that tackle and having someone that has length, athleticism, and the ability to dominate in the run game, but also be good in pass pro, that was a huge pickup for uh, for Dallas, in my opinion. The last four picks. Simi Fajoko, the wide receiver for Stanford. Quentin Bohana, the D-tackle, Kentucky. Israel Mukamu, the cornerback from South Carolina. And Matt Farniok, the guard from Nebraska. What do you have on those guys, if anything? Uh, Mukamu is another one. 6'3", 6'4", long, athletic, best trait, press skills. And he can also play a little bit of safety. So look at Joseph. Look at, um, you know, Amukamau, you look at Nashawn Wright, and you look at undrafted rookie free agent Tyler Coyle from Purdue. He played basically weak side linebacker for Purdue last year. But when you go back and watch him at UConn, he was a safety. And so he has good cover skills. He also returned kicks. So they got long, athletic, and versatile on the back end. They aced the draft in terms of secondary. But when you talk about Simi Foco, the, I was shocked that he got drafted uh, by Dallas. Dallas to me is deep at wide receiver. Um, that's one area where I didn't think they needed to add anybody. And to add someone that kind of has issues with catching the football at that position, it's not what you want to hear. And I just try to figure out how he's going to find a way on the field. Let's get to the New York Giants next, Emery. And uh, interesting, their first couple picks. The first one, Kadarius Toney, seemed like the Giants wanted Devontae Smith the Eagles jumped in front of them. I like what the Giants did then in terms of trading down, getting next year's first-round pick from Chicago. That's a lot of value just to go down nine spots. And they got the guy that Urban Meyer wanted, evidently. They got Kadarius Tony, wide receiver from Florida, at pick 20. Puts the ball in the paint. This dude is a touchdown maker. He's a game-breaker in every sense of the word. I think he has... Antonio Brown-like skill set. People think he's just a gadget guy, but I don't see him as a gadget guy. I see him as someone that can develop into a, a terrific catch-and-run player, a deep threat, someone that can go down the field and make a lot of plays. So I like his ability. I thought that was a good pickup by the Giants, just getting playmakers. Because uh, you look at what they added. They added Kenny Galladay. They still have Sterling Shepard. They have 
uh, you know, Darius Slayton, and they added John Ross, but you can't really depend on John Ross because of the injury. So you still need someone that's a true game breaker. And I thought they got that in uh, Kadarius Tony. Next pick, Ojolari. Now, evidently there's something with his knee, but to get Ojolari, evidently, I mean, you know, theoretically, the best edge rusher in the draft at pick 50 is ridiculous. You know, I see him more as a sandbacker because I love his point of attack strength. Uh, he doesn't have the twitched up nature of his game to be a, a dominant pass rusher. He kind of has that one move. Um, yes, it's very successful, but when you look at him in the scope of this Giants defense, he kind of plays a lot like what they have already in uh, someone like um, O'Shane Zimenez. He's just a strong point of attack player. Uh, doesn't really have the length, but he has the power, but he keeps you good within the front seven at the point of attack. So getting him in the second round, uh, when many people had him going in the first round, that's a huge steal for the Giants. Round three, they took Aaron Robinson, the corner from UCF. Hard to, to you know press guys in the slot because of the nature of the slot being off the ball. But this dude does a great job in doing that because he has great footwork. And so he's able to tie you up at the line of scrimmage by mirror and matching and uh, keeping you busy there, but throwing off the timing of the, the passing game because of his ability with his footwork and can also play on the outside and could even see time um, as a nickel defender uh, in his defense. You know, he goes to a stacked secondary and, you know, maybe they envision him being someone that can come in in year two and start uh, because now he's going to compete with what they drafted last year in Darnay Holmes. And that's going to be something that, to keep an eye on. That's going to be one of the more uh, interesting camp battles because that secondary now is a significant strength for the Giants. Their last three picks, they got Ellerson Smith, the edge rusher from Northern Iowa in the fourth round. Gary Brightwell, running back from Arizona in the sixth round. And Radarius Williams, a corner from Oklahoma State in the sixth round. Ellerson Smith was a steal because he gives them what they have in uh, Lorenzo Carter, a long, lengthy, athletic guy. Uh, he was, you know, a little bit slim in 2019, but had a really good game against Iowa State in the game they should have won, uh, if we're being honest. And then he went down to the Senior Bowl. They didn't play in the fall. Northern Iowa did. Um, so he he didn't play in the fall. He goes down to the Senior Bowl, bulked up a bit, but didn't lose that athleticism and twitchiness. So to me, he's more of the threat to get to the quarterback than Ojolari is. So now you really bolstered your depth, but also got two guys with a pathway to start, then Ojolari and Ellison Smith. Brightwell, you saw someone, you saw a position they needed, but after they drafted Brightwell, they went ahead and signed Corey Clement. They brought in, uh, they got the Devontae Booker, but they also brought in Raquel Armstead. So it's like, did you really need a Brightwell? Because he seems like he's going to be destined for the practice squad. Uh, and Rodarius Williams out of Oklahoma State played a lot of football, gives them good depth, core special teamer. Um, and again, just further strengthening what they have on the back end with that defense. Let's get to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they started out with a couple of Alabama guys, Devontae Smith in round one, Landon Dickerson in round two. If Dickerson is healthy, still, definitely, dominant player up front on the interior. Uh, can play anywhere, but this dude is will be a phenomenal center if he can stay healthy. The most consistent part of his game is that he has missed time every year almost. And so that's something you don't want to hear or have on your, your resume as you're going into the NFL. Devonta Smith, obviously, is a day one stud. 
I, I said this before, you know, I came in thinking that he was going to be Ted Ginn-like. And by the course of the season playing out, he became more Marvin Harrison for me. Um, and I ended up with that as the comp and how well he's able to run routes, isn't afraid of going over the middle of the field, shows good savvy and finding soft spots and zones while also being a good game breaker with the ball in his hands. Home run hit right there for the Philadelphia Eagles. Next couple picks, Milton Williams, a D tackle from Louisiana Tech, and Zach McPherson, a corner from Texas Tech. Yeah, Milton Williams came in as a defensive end, and they moved him inside the tackle, but he still has defensive end quickness, defensive end uh, savvy, and defensive end type ability to get to the quarterback. Now you just have that inside. So he gives you someone that's sort of like what they had in Malik Jackson, someone that can do a little bit of both. So I love that pick. And you also talk about Zach McPherson. We talked about him uh, a lot of times here when we were just going through positional breakdowns. Texas Tech's defense has had some really good players the last two seasons, uh, one being Jordan Brooks, who went the first round, um, and and Broderick Washington, who uh, I think went later in the draft or undrafted, but found a, a good role with Baltimore as well on the inside as a defensive lineman. But McPherson has good ball skills. He's a good open field tackler. Uh, very good instincts and all of those things that you want in the secondary. And that's a position where, you know, Philly needed help. And they got someone that I think it was really good in McPherson. I want to ask you about Kenny Gainwell. Went in the fifth round. We know Memphis's history, recent history at running back position. We know what Gainwell did in 2019. You were a Division One running back. It's the position that you might evaluate the best. Why did Gainwell not go till the fifth round, Emory? I think we saw something that was interesting in the draft. We didn't see that run on running backs early uh, like we usually see a second round, third round. We saw Michael Carter go in the fourth round. You know how I felt about his game. And Gainwell just kind of, you know, fell into, you know, line with with that. Uh, What was interesting about where he landed, though, is he loves – he is going to a spot where they love guys that don't need volume. And to me, that's Kenneth Gainwell. And to be honest, that's any back that you can draft from Memphis over the last three to four years because they've been used to not getting the volume of carries. So he goes into a situation where he has a clear pathway to the RB2 role. He can beat you on the ground. He could beat you in the passing game. He can also help you out as a returner. So him falling was probably just the nature of the position in this year's draft, uh, juxtaposed to anything that you know has to do with his talent because the talent is definitely there. What about Emory, uh, their last four picks? Marlon Tui-Pelotu, the D-tackle from USC, Taryn Jackson, DN, Coastal Carolina, Jacoby Stevens, a safety slash linebacker from LSU, and Patrick Johnson, an edge rusher from Tulane. This is where I thought Philly did some of his best, best work. Um, most people tune out of the draft after the first round and think that anyone outside of the first round is not good. Um, that's not the case. Philly really knocked it out the park in the sixth round with those defensive picks. Taron Johnson is one of the best defensive players to come out of the Sunbelt Conference. Kind of is like, you know, sort of what they have in Brandon Graham. Maybe not the, the tremendous pass rusher, but I'm talking about the shorter, squatty, quicker guy off the ball that's held to block. And you talk about Tui uh, Pelotu out of USC, quickness off the ball, disruptive, uh, one-gap penetrator type player, gives you some good depth on the on the defensive line. Um, you talk about Jacoby Stevens. He has experience playing that nickel linebacker 
that's in vogue now in the NFL. He did it last year at LSU, but has the cover skills that you look for and want at the position. And Patrick Johnson, solid all-around player at the second level with Tulane. We talked about Cam Sample and his versatility. Patrick Johnson is more of your sandbacker. They needed help at linebacker. They got a good one in the seventh round, and he wasn't done. I'm looking at their undrafted free agents. Trayvon Grimes, 6'5", 230, big-time red zone threat. Jaquan Bailey out of Iowa State, a good rotational piece that has some good quickness off the ball. Go watch his TCU game, um, and you'll see him show those pass rushing chops. Jamie Newman is cut from the same mold as Jalen Hurts, so it gives them a backup that is just like their starting quarterback. It'll be interesting to see how he develops over the course of the preseason. So I just thought they did a great job from top to bottom, um, even into the eighth round with those undrafted free agents. Let's get to the Washington football team. Last but not least, I should mention, I mentioned earlier, DraftKings has a ridiculous offer right now. If you use the code Ross to bet on NBA, you just need to do it. Trust me on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You also really should strongly consider getting a story for your dad. Myfrontpagestory.com. I would not steer you guys wrong. Most people don't know what to get their dad, like a tie or you don't know what to get. Get your dad a story. He'll love it. Your dad will get a little choked up. They'll hang it in their house somewhere and you'll be happy for the rest of his life and afterwards that you got him a story from myfrontpagestory.com. What is the story, Emery, with Jamin Davis, the linebacker from Kentucky, that the Washington football team took number 19 overall? They wanted someone that uh, fits today's game. You got to be able to cover. Otherwise, you're a liability out there on the field. And and so they got somebody in Davis. Everyone points to the Tennessee game. And, you know, he had the interception to pick six. You know, had two interceptions in that game. But you see someone that can cover a lot of ground on the back end, and everyone wants to throw the football around a yard. So I, I love that about his game. Versus the run, he got to get a little bit more aggressive, man. Um, and that's where it could be an issue. But in coverage, you know, good luck, uh, in, in, you know, when you're dropping him back there in zone because this guy can get from that second level to the – you know, he's like your perfect uh, cover two Mike backer, uh, if you could think in terms of just carrying a route down the middle of the field, but also has just good awareness and understands – uh, passing concepts. What about Cosme? Sam Cosme, they took him in the second round from Texas. You know, they've moved on from Morgan Moses at right tackle. They waived Jaron Christian. They must be pretty high on Cosme. Yeah, they expect him to come in right away and compete, whether that's at tackle or, uh, you know, somewhere else, left tackle, right tackle. But I want to see more assertiveness from Cosme. Uh, he's one of those guys that, you know, he, he's played a lot of games at Texas. Uh, but you know, sometimes when you watch him, you just you, you want to see that that nastiness that you see from offensive linemen. And I'm usually making fun of these uh, guys online that post clips of offensive linemen finishing cornerbacks. Uh, you know, of course he's gonna you know roll a, a dog on nickel corner, but you want to see that effort um, from you know defensive linemen or linebackers. And I think Cosme has good talent. You know, he has good technique, but you just want to see that assertiveness. Uh, show itself more often. At times he does it, but you want to see that consistently if he's going to be a, a stud at the next level. Then we get to round three, Benjamin St. Just and Diami Brown. Long, lengthy, athletic uh, in St. Just. Uh, you know, he could still fill out his frame, but I thought, 
you know, what he showed at, at the senior bowl was impressive. You know, he's someone that could mirror and match, play press really well, understands where the ball is, is not afraid by the ball in, in the air. He's six three, so he's able to make those he, he's able to shrink those passing windows. Another one of these these lengthy cornerbacks that we saw go very uh, early in the draft. So I love the pick because they needed depth on uh, the perimeter out there. And De'Ami Brown, I think, is the best deep ball receiver uh, in the draft. When you think about the deep ball, you think about someone that is going to catch that football 10 times out of nine, right? You know, you want to see someone that you just know that ball is caught. People question his hands, but when you watch him and watch the drops, the drops happen on anything that's coming back to the football. Your uh, comebacks, your curls, uh, your stop routes. That tells me that he is he has late hands and also seeing the ball late. So you'll see him when he catches the ball on those shorter routes that are, that are coming back to the football. You'll see him catch the middle or the back part of the ball. So that tells you he's seeing it late or getting his hands up late. So if you're getting hit at the same time, that ball is coming out. But when you see him go deep down the field where he has to track and run underneath it, he has time to get his eyes in the right place, his hands in the right place, and that's why he's able to make those receptions every time. So if he's going to you know, get better in a short game, then you're talking about him living in front of the jugs machine to train his hands to get up quicker, to train his eyes to see it faster, find the point faster, and get his hands in front of the football. So I had no issues with his hands. I thought he was tremendous in that regard. You got John Bates, a tight end from Boise State in the fourth round. Derek Forrest, a safety from Cincinnati in the fifth round. Yeah, I'm interested to see how Bates fits into this this offense. I think they saw good progress from uh, Logan Thomas, and he's going to be their tight end. Maybe they view Bates as someone that could be a solid inline guy that could help aid their run game. Uh, And Forrest, to me, we talk about players coming from programs sight unseen and I'm I'm sold on if you told me you got a, a defensive back from Cincinnati I don't have to see his tape I just I, all right good take him because I know he can play and Forrest was someone that was impactful this year uh for the Bearcats he's a, a good safety that drives well on the football um open field tackling skills is where it needs to be and and does a good job of playing the ball uh when it's in the air talk about in the short area zone coverage uh, part of the game. So I do think he's a good solid safety, another area where they needed some depth. They needed to get better. And I thought they got better with Forrest. Well, I'm sure as heck not going to ask you about a long snapper. So let's get to round seven. Will Bradley King, a DN from Baylor, Shaka Tony, an edge rusher from Penn State, and Dax Milne, a wide receiver from BYU. Shaka Tony is someone that that is going to be, uh, he's going to find a way on the field. Well, he's going to be a core special teamer, number one, but he's active enough to where you got to put him on defense in a sub-package role and just let him get after the quarterback because he's going to find his way to the backfield. I'm surprised more people weren't talking about Dax Milne than anything because you think about someone um, that on a receiving in a lot of those space bombs by Zach Wilson, this dude was saving Wilson a lot of times with how he's able to go up and, and make these contested catches. So, I thought those two receiver picks of Brown and, and Milne were excellent. And William Bradley King, depth piece. They needed, you know, some somebody to help keep that rotation strong. I'll be interested to see how he fits in the rotation with, with Washington. Next week, we will dive into the NFC North. I cannot wait. Make sure you check out this man on social media. 
It is so awesome to have a guy that can go over every draft choice and has insight into all of them. I'm taking notes while we're talking. At F-Ball Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube. Certainly check us out on YouTube. We got all the highlight clips and the full show. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod is the podcast network's handle. NFC North next week. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. you got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109WITHIT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, it doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit.